Well, tonight I'd like to preach on the sacraments of penance. And in particular, I'd like to preach on what is called the near occasion of sin. A concept that is important for us to understand if we are to be properly disposed to receive the grace of forgiveness that is given through the sacrament of penance. Now, it is the season of Advent when we prepare for the coming or the Advent of the Lord on Christmas Day. It is also the case, though, that in the sacrament of penance itself, there is a sacramental coming or Advent of our our Lord. And just as during this holy season we prepare for the advent of Christ on Christmas, so also in the sacraments of penance we need to prepare ourselves for or dispose ourselves for the grace of the sacraments. So how does one dispose himself for this advent of Christ in the sacrament of penance? Well, one needs to have true sorrow or contrition for the sins he confesses. An essential part, though, of having true contrition for one's sins is the cultivation of what is called a firm purpose of amendment. A firm purpose of amendment. If someone is sincerely contrite for a given sin, he will also sincerely purpose not to commit that sin again. There is more, though. There's another step here. An integral part of one's purpose of amendment is the resolve to avoid what is called the mere occasion of sin. So, what then is this thing I'm talking about, this mere occasion of sin? Well, it is any practical circumstance, any person, any place, or anything that constitutes for a given individual a strong temptation to commit a given sin. In the Gospel of Matthew, our Lord says, Woe to the worlds because of occasions of sin. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than with two hands or two feet and to be thrown into the eternal fire. Our Lord warns us against the occasion of sin in very strong language here, teaching us that we must act with great decisiveness in ridding ourselves of the occasion of sin. And our readings tonight also address this issue. In our text from Isaiah we hear, In the deserts, prepare the way of the Lord. Now this passage actually has to do with the return of the Israelite exiles in the 6th century before Christ. At that time, God was calling the Israelites from their place of exile in Babylon back to the land of Israel, back to the promised lands. But note, to get back from Babylon to the promised lands, the returning exiles had to pass through the deserts. And so it is with us. Babylon symbolizes for us the world, 
with all its occasions of sin, as Christ says in the Gospel, woe to the world because of occasions of sin. And if we want want to enter the promised land of God's forgiveness in the sacrament of penance, we must pass out of the Babylon of the mere occasion of sin and into the deserts, a place deserted of the occasion of sin. We must embrace a new set of circumstances in our lives, circumstances that are deserted of or lacking that person, place, or thing that was leading us into sin. We see this also in our gospel passage. The people responded to John the Baptist's call for repentance by confessing their sins. But they did so only after having gone out into the deserts. The desert is that place deserted of temptations and all that leads to sin. So also for us, in addition to confessing our sins in the sacrament of penance, we need to be firmly resolved to arrange our life in such a way that it is deserted or bereft of the mere occasion of sin. Now, to make this a little bit more concrete, I'll give uh, a few examples here, three in particular. And these examples are completely made up. They're not based on real individuals, but they're based on realistic possibilities that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. So let's take the example of this imaginary guy by the name of Rich. He's 18 years old, and he's a college freshman. Rich was raised Catholic, but found himself losing his faith after having purchased and read a number of books by an avowed atheist. After meeting and having many talks, though, with a professional uh, Catholic uh, philosopher on his campus, Rich begins to see that his recent decision to embrace atheism was rash. It was imprudent. So little by little, he starts to see that he never really had any good reason to doubt the credibility of Christianity, and that it was actually his pride that led him towards atheism, to dabble with atheism. And by God's grace, Rich eventually finds his way to the confessional and confesses grave sins against the virtue of faith. Now, the atheistic literature that caused Rich to lose his faith in the first place constitutes for him a mere occasion of sin for others, possibly, given their knowledge, expertise, training, this literature would not be an occasion of sin. But for Rich, for now at least, at his level of intellectual development, it is. If he is to receive the grace of forgiveness, Rich must abandon the Babylon of this literature. He must create a little desert in his life that is free of this literature. Our next example, let's take uh, an imaginary couple by the name of John and Amy, two young Catholics who intend to marry. Well, to save money for their future house, John and Amy decide to move in together before marriage. Now, cohabitation is a sin mainly because, in a very public manner, it provides a bad example for others. It's a prime example of what is called the sin of scandal. Nonetheless, it is also wrong because it normally constitutes a mere occasion of sin against chastity for those involved. 
if John and Amy, as their wedding approach, go to confession and expect to receive the grace of forgiveness for sins against chastity, they must first separate from each other and live in separate places of residence. They must flee the Babylon of cohabitation and arrange their life in such a way that it is deserted of that circumstance. Finally, let's take this example of another imaginary person by the name of Jack, a college sophomore raised Catholic. Jack knows from experience that because of peer pressure, he will usually drink alcohol to the point of drunkenness at the social events of a particular college fraternity. If Jack wants to find forgiveness for the sin of drunkenness in the sacrament of penance, he must properly dispose himself by focusing not only not to get drunk again, but also to avoid frequenting these social events. He must decisively exit this Babylon of the mere occasion of sin and live a life deserted of these particular events. So in closing, let us return again to our text from Isaiah. The prophet cries out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. And what is the ultimate result of this retreat into the desert and this preparation for the coming or advent of our Lord? The prophet continues further on and he says, The glory of the Lord will be revealed. The desert we are called to create in our lives is a place that is empty. Yes, empty of the new occasion of sin, but it is not empty of God. On the contrary, it is a desert where the glory of God's grace and forgiveness is revealed to us.